Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. You have an outline there in your bulletin as the week goes on or this afternoon. Look at those scriptures, read them. It'll reinforce what is being said this morning. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 and following from the NIV Bible. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law who were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk this way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit what was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take up your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Let me pray with you. So God, again, speak to us. Take us one step from where we are now closer to you. Speak to us. In Christ's name, amen. Most of us probably saw this scriptures and scriptures like it from a flannel graph when we were younger. You remember the flannel graph thing? Okay. Most of us remember having taught that in flannel graph. Then it went to some sort of DVD that they have now on a big screen. And, and the latest thing out that I really like concerning the scripture is the series called The Chosen. Are you familiar with the series called The Chosen? I just got a, I see one hand out of this entire, oh, over here, a few chosen. Isn't that the best they've ever done? Best they've ever done, especially how they portray the paralytic. And not only was the paralytic set free, but the four men who have carried him most of their lives were set free. The real freedom in this verse are the four men being set free. Now the message this morning is, how do I get through what I'm going through? 
You know what I find to be true in my own life and I find to be true in everyone's life? Normal people have problems. If you've never had a problem, if your life has just been smooth waters your entire life, you are the abnormal person. All the rest of us have problems. Normal people have problems. Not their whole life being a problem, but we just have things that we have to deal with over and over again. Some of the problems that we have are of our own making. This is where it gets difficult. Sometimes we say things that we wish we had never said. We don't have to have a show of hands because every hand would go up. Sometimes we think and then we speak and then we wish we wouldn't have spoke what we thought. You don't have to speak everything that goes through your mind. I think we all know that, but sooner or later, we just have to have that brought back to us again. We all have problems. Sometimes our problems of our, are of our own making with decisions that we have made, and it just doesn't turn out right, and we pick up the pieces of the mess. So how do I get through when I've made the problem myself? Sometimes our problems are caused by others. Maybe a close family member has made a foolish decision, and it's infected the entire family. And so everyone in the family deals with this decision that a family member has made. Maybe it's a relationship with someone else. And you told this family member, you know what, this is never going to work out, but they were going to have a go along anyways. Sooner or later, all of us deal with some sort of health problems. We just do. All of us, sooner or later, have major surgery. Just where life is. Your problem may be your boss. You may be the boss, and you are the problem. You know what I mean there? Possible. Your problems may be financial. Last week the kids got sick. This week something's going to happen in the house. You don't know what's going to happen next week. Your problems may be financial. The whole point here is this. Normal people have trials and tribulations. So the question here is, how do I get through the rough waters? How do I get through all the things that are going to happen to me? Here's the point of this message. And then we're just going to unfold this with a few illustrations. The only way I get through what I'm going through is that I determine that I don't have to go through it alone. I don't have to go through it alone. You need someone to help you. Until you admit that you are helpless, until you and I admit that we cannot handle whatever's in front of us all by ourselves, we're going to stay stuck right where we are. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. Now let's do a little congregational survey here. I like congregational surveys, okay? What is your favorite store to go shopping in? I'll just give you some options here. And you can raise your hand if you want. What's your favorite store to go shopping in? You ladies are going to say Hobby Lobby or Home Goods or something like that. Anybody? Hobby Lobby, Home Goods, some, yeah, that's just your, your favorite store. Some people just like to go to Walmart. You know, you like to go to Walmart? Uh, probably, Walmart, some people just like to go to Walmart. That's just where 
where life unfolds. The men are going to say their favorite store is probably Menards or Lowell's or Home Depot or something like that. Hey, we, we're, we're, we're coming here now. Okay, I'm going to throw a new one out here. My favorite store is Rural King. Anybody know Rural King? R Rural King? I'm surprised that Elkhart County doesn't have a Rural King. Just, just amazing. Even Angola has a rural king. The closest one, if I did my internet search right, the closest one to here is just over the state line in Niles. That's my favorite store. I was raised on a large farm in the, 19, in the 1960s. Now, the farm that I was raised on today, they would just call that a postage stamp, okay? But back in the 60s, we went at it night and day. <laughs> Literally went at it night and day, did, did a lot of things. So I like to go to Rural King. There's been times where I just go to Rural King in the evening and just walk around, just, uh, just to unwind. At Rural King, you can get popcorn free, and if you drop some on the floor, no one cares. No one cares at all. That, that's good. At Rural King, you can buy pig feed. Mm -hmm. At Rural King, you can buy rabbits and rabbit cages. You can buy chickens and chicken coops. At Rural King, you can buy hamsters and guinea pigs and all that stuff that you like to have the kids bring home. And at Rural King, you can buy ducks. And if you go to Rural King and want to buy a duck, this is the note that's over the top of the ducks at Rural King. You cannot buy just one duck alone. You have to buy two or more ducks because one duck alone will die. Our daughter-in-law, Brooke, raised in the suburbs in North Chicago. But she one day went to Rural King, I don't know which one she would have went to, and bought ducks for her kids, grandkids. She has four, have four daughters. And for several years, four or five years in a row, five or six years in a row, they brought home four ducks. They had a fenced-in yard, and the ducks grew up there for five or six weeks, and they took them down to the river and, and, and let them go. Ducks. Ducks were made by God in such a way that they are dependent upon each other. A duck by itself will die. Ducks know that they have to have friends to help them get through life. You and I have to have others to help us get through life. You don't have to deal with what you're dealing with all by yourself. One of the things I did a few years ago, summers ago here, two or three now, I went to Notre Dame. You drove from Angola to Notre Dame, and just uh, went over there to sit on the benches. Because in the summertime, it's very peaceful at Notre Dame when there's no kids around. Have two sons. They work at Notre Dame in public relations. So I get there in time to take them out to smash burgers there on campus. And they, of course, they had to go back to work. And I just walked around the, the campus there, went into some buildings I'd never been in before. But mostly I just went from bench to bench and just sitting there, not thinking about anything at all. The older I get, 
the easier it is to not think about anything at all. Any takers? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's just where life is, which is fine with me. That particular day, there's another duck story. That particular day, there was probably a hundred ducks, maybe more than that there, down by one of the lakes, and I'm just surmised that these ducks probably make their summer home there at the lake, and 80 or so of them were, were just sleeping the afternoon away with their heads tucked under their wings. You know how ducks can, can, can do that. There was another group of them over here that were kind of by themselves. They were part of the castouts and and all that. The ones that were sleeping, they were oblivious to everything going on around them. There were cars driving by, and there were joggers, and there were bikes, and there were just a lot of noise. But the ducks didn't do anything. They just slept the afternoon away. Finally, one of the ducks, and I sat there for about an hour. Finally, one of the ducks gets up, and he goes down to the, to the, the, the bank of the, of the lake there, and he starts quacking. Quack, quack, quack. Quack, quack, quack. You know, and the duck can turn his head without moving his neck. So he just uh, quack, kind of looking behind him. And I don't know duck, but I think that he was saying, I want to go for a swim. Do you want to go with me? Is, is what he was saying. And so after a while, and he had to do quite a bit of talking. After a while, six, seven, eight ducks went out with this other duck out into the water. And these are adult ducks, so they didn't swim in a row. Okay, They just went out there, swam around for a while, and came back. And they were wore out already for that afternoon. And so they, they just um, go back and fall asleep, put their head uh, under their wing, and just fall asleep. 10 or 15 minutes later, I just sat there and watched the ducks. There was another duck that got up. He started quacking. And he would go down to the, to the shore there. And he would quack, quack, quack and turn his neck around and all this. And there was not another duck that wanted to go swimming with this duck. I felt sorry for this duck. I said, what? You mean you went swimming with these other guys? You wouldn't go swimming with this? This, this was just, he was all by himself. And so eventually, I mean, he quacked and quacked and quacked and quacked. So eventually he just goes, goes back and puts his head under his wing. And I'm just saying he probably just pouted the afternoon away. But on that particular day, that duck knew that he could not go swimming by himself. Now, I've always thought ducks always swam in pairs. Now, we, we live on a pond. Our, our house is on a pond. A new house is on a pond. And uh, it, it has ducks and geese there. And I have seen ducks swim in that pond by themselves. And I thought, this is amazing. I did not know that they would do that. This farm boy did not know that they would do that. The point of all this is this right here. Even ducks know they can't get through what they're going through. They don't swim by themselves. We're no better. Let me give you one more illustration. A few summers ago, went up and watched the big ships go through the locks at Sault Ste. Marie. You ever been up there, Sault Ste. Marie? And watch the big, 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 big ships go through. I, I can go, uh, I, I, I like that. I see something big moving without me pushing it, is what I think when I go up there, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I like that. Linda doesn't. So she got, got a book and sat on a bench with a bag of popcorn all afternoon. And I literally, I got my notes here, I literally stood there on that platform from 10 to 4 all day just watching the boats come and go. And they just came back and forth, back and forth an awful lot. 
on that particular day, and I'd been there several times, but on that particular day, first time I'd ever, ever had this happen, there was a retired Army Corps of Engineer volunteer on the platform there for about two hours, and he was answering all of our questions and had a lot of interesting things to say. So he tells us, you know, you look upstream there just a little ways, and you could just barely see it way upstream there into Lake Superior. He says, you know, you see off there in the distance, there is this ship that was loaded this morning with coal, and it ran aground. And it's blocked the downward shipping lane. So what they're going to do is they're going to let these three boats go north up into Lake Superior, and then they're going to switch lanes and have all these ships that are out there in Lake Superior come in, into another lane. It's sort of like, it, to get down through there, it's sort of like Interstate 80, 90 being closed, you know, and they route everyone over to the next lane and around and, and, all that type, and all that type thing. And he showed me on his phone these five green dots out there in Lake Superior. And each one of these dots was a ship that had anchored because of this one that ran aground. And he said this, and get this, it costs $10,000 an hour to stop a loaded ship in Lake Superior. And there were five of them out there, so it's costing somebody $50,000 an hour just to have these boats set out there. So I had to ask him, who's going to pay for this? He said, I don't know. But all of us on the deck, that day, on the platform there that day, we, we said, whoever the captain of that boat is that ran aground, if he ever makes it to the locks here, I just suppose they're going to put a plank out there for him to get to real ground and give him a one-way bus ticket somewhere. That, that was bad. That was bad. Some interesting facts. Uh, the, this, this is just interesting. It has nothing to do with sermon, but I, I like this, okay? Mm-hmm. 85% of the iron ore of the world goes through those locks. That's amazing. The biggest ships that go through the locks are 1,000 feet long, and they have only a 5-foot clearance. And so when they go through that lock, there's only 2.5 feet on both sides, and that ship's 1,000 feet long, and it is not a straight shot into the lock. You have to come in at an angle a little bit, then straighten your boat out to get it in there. So I had to ask, how many times do they scrape the side of the locks? He said, sometimes they will, but the overwhelming majority of them will make it through there and never touch it at two and a half feet. Amazing, isn't it? That's threading, threading the needle. Threading the needle. After about a half an hour or so, there were these two tugboats that came into the locks. And we all, we all knew they were going to go up and try to unlodge that big boat up there. And they, they looked like Popeye the Sailor Man tugs. Just little things down at the bottom of the lock. I mean, just little things. But I suppose they had big engines. And so they raise them up there, then they go, go down there, and all of this takes an hour or two hours to, to, to unfold. And those tugs go down there to try to unlodge the, the big boat. And then after a little while there, there was just this huge cloud of black smoke. I mean, a huge cloud. And it just kept bellowing and bellowing and kept coming and coming. And all of us on the, 
on the dock there, on the observation platform there, said, that ship has caught on fire. Not only is it grounded, now it's caught on fire. But that wasn't the case. They brought up, after a while, the boat, the smoke clears, and, and they couldn't unlodge the, the, so these tugs come back, and they kind of look sad, is what they did. They, they made it down there, and they come back. So I had to ask the Army Corps of Engineer guy, what are you going to do now? He said, this is what they're going to do. They're going to go find another ship and park it next to the one that has run aground. And they're going to unload one boat into the other until the other one floats. He wouldn't tell me how much that was going to cost. The point of all this is this right here. You may be the biggest boat in the neighborhood. It may appear that you always have your act together. But even the big boats need to unload sooner or later. Even the biggest of boats need help. It's okay to ask for help. Max Licato, he is one of the best when it comes to explaining the purpose of pain. He wrote this. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. Don't be foolish or naive, but don't despair either. With God's help, you'll get through this. You may be like the paralytic who needs someone to carry them every day. It's okay to ask for help every day. You may be just a little duck in a big pond, and you don't understand how it's all going to work out at all. It's okay for the little ducks to ask for help. Again, you may be the biggest boat. Even big boats need to ask for help to get moving again. God did not expect us to go through life alone. He did not expect us to deal with all of our problems by ourselves. He sends others to us to help us. Don't say no to the help. It's okay to ask for help. Let me pray with you. God, you bring people into our lives that have the gift mix that we need to help us get to the, where we need to go. Thank you for those people. Help us to know it's okay to ask for help. In Christ's name, amen.